Hello and welcome everyone to the Sunday special. There's going to be episode 10 for your listening pleasure. My name is James Fisher for the JRPG Report. In today's special, we're going to be focusing on the Persona series, as we are just a few days away from the race of Persona 5 Royal, the latest and hopefully greatest entry in this long-running series. So I thought it was a perfect opportunity to take a look back at uh, where this series came from, as a lot of people jumped into this one later on, but uh, the series goes back quite a ways. And so we're going to look at some of the history, uh, where exactly it came from, um, kind of the history of Atlas in in doing so as well. And then uh, to close the podcast, I've got a uh, a list of 10 fun facts that you may or may not know about it. Um, so we're going to be pulling from a couple different articles written about the series, of course, referencing the Wiki, Wikipedia pages as well. So everything as I know of is true, but it is the Internet, so it may not be a thousand percent accurate in it. So the most people probably got into this series with Persona 4, um, but it goes back to 1996 believe it or not. Um, we'll go back to the very beginnings. And uh, in a lot of ways, it's the story of not only Alice, but uh, the PlayStation brand growing up with it and really establishing the JRPG genre as a, uh, a force to be reckoned with. So this article that I'm going to be reading from in particular is called The Persona Series Explained. And uh, forgive me for butchering the name, but it's by Megan Farak Farak Manish, I believe. And this was written September 14th of 2016. So obviously this was written uh, while Persona 5 was still not out yet. So I'll be reading from it first. And uh, the first question is obviously, where did the series come from? Unraveling the origins of the persona of persona requires jumping through the convoluted evolution of the Megatomi Megatomi Tensei franchise, which has spawned such elaborately titled games as Digital Devil Story, Megami Tensei, Shimigami Tensei, Strange Journey, Shimigami Tensei Devil Summoner, Soul Hackers, and a whole mess of other long winded titles. The most direct route you can trace to Persona is from Sim- from 1994's uh, Shimigami Tensei If, a game about a group of high school students to development on another supernatural high school story, Revelations Persona, which was released in 1996 for the PlayStation. This game would, of course, later come to PSP and even Windows in Japan. Developer and publisher Alice eventually rebranded the game to Shimigami Tensei Persona with updated content. This game laid all the groundwork for the Persona franchise. It opens up with a group of high school students, circa 1996 Japan, playing a, quote, Persona game, unquote. It's sort of like that old game where you tell Bloody Mary to a bunch of... Um, yell Bloody Mary a bunch of times in order to summon a ghost, except in this case, the group gains the power to summon allies called Personas. 
The game follows more traditional Serenami Tetsai style of gameplay, turn-based fights in which players can chat with demons encountered in battle, with no social elements to build relationships among characters in this one. Although this early title looks and plays vastly different from today's persona, it establishes a few series familiars. High school students living in cities and towns inspired by modern-day Japan, fighting supernatural forces and achieving extraordinary feats. Uh, from the first one, this is according to the Wikipedia page, of course it was the first entry in the series, released in Japan and North America for the PlayStation in 1996. A port to Microsoft Windows was released in Japan in 1999. The game was later ported to the PSP. It was published in 2009 in Japan and North America as digital and physical releases. In 2010 in Europe as a digital only. Sent the town of Mikajiko, it follows a group of high school students from St. Hirlem High, who are forced to confront an outbreak of demons in their own town. So that's a very interesting start. If you've ever seen pictures from the early Persona games, you can definitely see the leap. It's it's no different really than if you go back and look at the early Dragon Quest or early Final Fantasy games. You can see the natural evolution of these titles. Um, it's pretty pretty cool to go back and look at. So, um, of course, Shin Megami Tensei F actually started was on the Super Famicom. So if you want to look at the true history, you got to go all the way back to Super Famicom or uh, Super Nintendo. Um, this one, of course, focused on the group inner struggles of young adults. The focus on high school life was also decided upon due to the experience of series creators, Kuji Okada and Kazumi Kaneko. According to them, as nearly everyone experiences being a student at some point in their life, it was something everyone could relate to representing a time of learning and personal freedom. In their view, this approach helped players accept the series themes and the variety of ideas included in each title. Kanika was, in particular, tried to create his experiences and the impact it had on him during his time with this series. The main concept of the first game was a Megami Tensei title that was more approachable for new and casual players than the main series. The abundance of casual games on the PlayStation reinforced this decision. Um, the game's title, Memigami Abenruke, represented the game's status as a direct spin-off from the series, but it was later dropped to further define Persona as a standalone series. After the success of Persona 1, uh, Atlas quickly moved towards a sequel but uh, made it a little bit different. After um, Persona 2 Innocent Sin came along in 1989 in much the same way. Its, its main character was a high school student who, along with his friends, was granted the power to use Personas. In addition to overall battle system tweaks, Innocent Sin also used a rumor system, appropriate for high school student teens, that players could use to influence events. Because Atlas loves its complicated web of games, the developer next released a direct sequel to that sequel called Persona 2 Eternal Punishment in 2000. Eternal Punishment is set a few months after its predecessor and follows Maya, also from Innocent Sin, as the lead character. 
After the success of uh, Persona 1's PSP port, a port of Innocent Sin was also greenlight. For this version, adjustments were made so that it played more like its sequel, along with added features and a new scenario. The game, the port was released in 2011 in all regions. Set in the coastal city of Simaru, it follows Tatsuyu So, a student of Seven Sisters High, as he confronts phenomena generated by reality-altering rumors. At the end of Innocent Sin, the main characters rewrite events to avert the destruction of Earth, creating the eternal punishment reality, with the original reality becoming an isolated other side. It's interesting to, uh, <laughs> to think about that. After the success, of course, of Persona 1, Innocent Sin began development, retaining many of the original staff. During the writing of Innocent Sin, it was decided that the world of Persona 2 needed a different perspective than that of the current protagonists. This decision laid the groundwork for eternal punishment. Following this, the Persona series entered at hiatus while focusing on other projects, including Shimigami Tetsei Nocturne. Persona 2 Eternal Punishment is the third entry in the main series, released in Japan and North America for the PlayStation in 2000. And like Innocent Sin, it was remade for the PSP and included a new scenario by the game's original writer. The remake released in Japan in 2012, but did not reach the West. The original version was re-released worldwide on the PlayStation Network in 2013 in response to this. In Innocent Sin, it calls the story of Maya Amano, a supporting character of the previous game, as she confronts a similar rumor-created threat, along with Tetsuo. In the first two games, um, battles initiate actually or in random encounters, or by running into models representing enemy groups. That's what came along in the later titles, but the first two was all random. Each Persona game includes unique elements. In the first Persona, battles take place on a grid-based battlefield, with characters and enemies' movements dictated by their placement on the battlefield. This system was abandoned for Persona 2 games. The party has free movement across the battlefield, and is assigned a set of moves which can be changed in the menu during and between battles. Of course, this system was later changed again from Persona 3 onward. In 2006, Atlas released Shimigami Tensei Persona 3, a sort of rebirth for the series, for the PlayStation 2. Atlas re-released the game as Shimigami Tensei Persona 3 FES with the initial campaign in 2007, and again for the PSP in 2009. Notably, the PSP version did not include the extra campaign, The Answer, but did have the option to play as a female protagonist. Atlas has yet to release a package that includes all these elements together, so to get the full Persona 3 experience, one has to invest in more than one game. Persona 3 starred a group of high school students charged with defeating powerful enemies called Shadows every full moon. The game was heavy on the social simulation side. Players spent their time outside of dungeons bonding with classmates and building different personal skills. We'll get more into the story and how this connects all later and could connect to Persona 5 a bit later. Where the previous games were more like siblings to Simigami Tensei games, Persona 3 is the first time the franchise felt unique, not only from its predecessors, but from other games in the genre as well. The introduction of a calendar tracking the course of an entire year, along with the new emphasis on social interaction, 
brought an immersive depth to Persona 3's story. The game is a 70-hour-plus experience. Easy, but it rewards players patient enough to dig through into its world. Persona 3 is the fourth entry in the main series. It's about for the PlayStation 2. You can see the obvious and uh, dramatic leaping graphical quality, as well as storytelling and length. It was developed for the PlayStation 2 and released in 2006 in Japan, 2007 in North America, and finally in 2008 in Europe. Persona 3 FES, a director's cut featuring new content and epilogue, was released in 2007 in Japan, 2008 in North America, and Europe. The main portion of FES was later ported to the PSP in Japan in 2009, North America in 2010, and and Europe in 2011 as Persona 3 Portable. It takes a few enhancements such as the female playable character and the ability to control all characters in battle, and some content was adjusted or removed so it could fit onto the portable platform, i.e. choosing locations and not really moving around the school and such. Uh, the story takes place in the town of... I can never say this right. <laughs> Awadadai, following a group of teenagers known as Seas, S-E-S, who fight monsters that appear during the time known as the Dark Hour. It was a very dark game. Um, if you came in on Persona 4... And it's so light and bubbly and cheery. And it certainly has some darker elements to it. Persona 3 was dark throughout. Very, um, I wouldn't say it was a horror, you know, inspired game. But just very dark. Of course, in order to change their personas, the characters held a a trigger gun to their head and pulled the trigger. Um, Very controversial. And I cannot imagine anything like that uh, getting the green light. Uh, these days, I'm surprised it did at the time. Um, but very, uh, like I said, a very dark game. I really, really liked uh, part three. Um, I wouldn't, I'd still say probably four is my favorite, but five, um, it's hard, it's so hard to decide on a favorite one because they all have such um, unique um, elements to them. Uh, the concept of Persona 3 was submitted to Atlas in 2003 by Katsura Hashino, who had worked as a designer for multiple Shin Megami, or for multiple Megami Tensei games and had been the director for Nocturne. Gaining Alice's approval for the concept, development started the same year after the completion of Nocturne and the Digital Devil Saga duology. Persona 3 was part of Atlas's push to expand their player base outside of Japan. Ideas were being passed around about Persona 4, but the game did not begin official development until after the release of Persona 3. So if you're interested in going back and playing um, Persona 3, you obviously have two big options. Um, You can get the portable version, which you can uh, get on your Vita, or you can try to track down the PlayStation 2 FES version. That is what I would personally recommend um, playing through it and getting to play the uh, um, the answer portion of it as well. That was the experience that I truly enjoyed. I do own the portable version, 
and after trying to play it, I just felt like it was lacking um, key features that made the PlayStation 2 version um, so special and unique. Now, obviously, it depends on your situation. Um, if you have a PS2 or can get one, you can uh, go on to Facebook Marketplace or eBay, and you can find one fairly cheap. Now, tracking down a copy of the game... <laughs> not going to be as easy or cheap whereas a digital copy of the game that you can fire up on your vita um, or i guess on the playstation network anywhere is, is certainly going to be the cheaper option and may be the only one available to you persona 3 also saw a big uh, advancement in the battle system whereas uh, they were turn-based in the battle system where party players and enemies each attack the opposing sides uh, starting with three, landing a critical hit grants the character an extra turn. If all, enemy, all enemies were knocked down by those critical hits, the party could then perform an all-out attack, with all party members attacking at once and dealing very high damage. Each party member is manually controlled by the player in all but one Persona title, and that is Persona 3. All those parties, all the party apart from the main character is controlled by AI-based command system but in general the gameplay has remained consistent across all persona games in persona 1 and persona 3 there's also the lunar phase ties to gameplay time progression and the plot next we'll go to persona 4 which i would dare say is most of um, current persona players step on point but before that let's take just a quick break and have a word from our sponsor in 2008, Atlas returned with Shin Megami Tensei Persona 4 for the PlayStation 2, another tale of high schoolers with extraordinary abilities. This time around, players spent a year in a small town investigating several mysterious murders. It too got an expanded re-release with Persona 4 Golden, dropping the Shin Megami Tensei brand altogether, arriving on the PlayStation Vita stateside in 2012. Although Persona 3 and its variations were well-received upon initial release, Persona 4 remains the more critically successful of the two. It doesn't just echo the gameplay experience laid out in Persona 3, but actively improves upon it. Combat and dungeon crawling are tighter, characters are rent with more confidence, and the game has more style and color than those of the wars before it. With Persona 4 Golden, the definitive edition of the game, Atlas further tweaked its already successful formula with additional content and storytelling. The connections between Persona games are a little twisted, as many of these games are not exactly direct sequels, but they often feature cameos or references to characters or happenings from the past games. And over the series' history, Atlas also developed several spin-off games that continue Persona 3 and 4's characters. These spin-offs were unlikely to have any impact um, on further games, and none of them follow the standard of the main series. Persona 4 is the fifth entry in the game, released for the PlayStation 2 in 2008 in Japan and North America, 2009 in Europe. The success of Persona 3 Portable inspired the creation of a portable version of Persona 4. Using the PSP would result in cutting too much content, and it was instead developed for PlayStation Vita, which allowed for new features and content. This was, of course, called Persona 4 Golden. Persona 4 takes place in the rural town of Anaba, where 
a group of students investigate a series of killings related to the world known as the Midnight Channel. The first three Persona games were developed by Alice's internal R&D One studio, the studio responsible for the mainline Megami Tensei games. Beginning with Persona 3, a dedicated team originally referred to as the second creative production department, began handling development for the series. The studio was later renamed P-Studio in 2012. Hashinero remained in charge of the studio until the Japanese release of Persona 5 in 2016, when he moved and founded a new department, Studio Zero, to begin work on the non-Persona projects. Aside from Atlas, other developers have helped develop the series for Persona. Beginning during the pre-direction stage of Persona 4 Arena, Hashner approached System Arc System Works after being impressed by their work on the Blue Blaze series. For Dancing All Night, development was initially handled by Dingo, but due to quality concerns, Atlas took over the primary development, with Dingo being retained as a supporting developer. Persona 4 went away from the lunar phases of the original Persona and Persona 3, uh, this time, it was changed to a weather-based system, where changes in weather played a, were key to the story's plot and affected enemy behavior. Part 4 also went away from uh, the gun-like evoker devices from Persona 3. This time, they summoned the Personas using tarot cards. Finally, we'll talk about Persona 5, and then we'll talk about some of the common ailments that are featured throughout each of these games in the series. Of course, Persona 5 is the sixth entry in the main series. It came out for both PS3 and PS4. It was released in 2016 in Japan, and then in 2017 in North America and Europe. Persona 5 is set in Tokyo. It follows the group of students as they adopt the guys as, as the Phantom Thieves in order to tackle the city's corruption and attain freedom from the imposed societal pressures. Persona 5 Royal, the enhanced version of the game, similar to Persona 4's Golden, uh, will, was released in Japan 2019 and will come out March 31st, 2020, here in the West. Persona 5 introduced elements such as platforming and stealth gameplay to its dungeon exploration. The all-out attack can be initiated in a hold-up session, triggered when all enemies are knocked down. Persona 5 also made combat much faster than it had been in previous titles by mapping attack um, personas and other items and other attacks to each button um, on the controller as well as the directional buttons could handle different abilities along with your guns. It ended up making a turn-based battle system into something extremely fast and fun to play, turning longer battles into much shorter ones, allowing players more time for uh, out-of-dungeon experiences. Uh, it, <laughs> in, it, perhaps oddly, though, the game was longer than previous Persona titles, although all of them were long. This one clocked many players over 100 hours of gameplay total. So let's talk more about some of the common themes and um, development across these titles. Um, in particular, let's talk about the Personas. <laughs> Personas. 
This is the defining aspect of the series is the use of persona, which are physical manifestations of a person's psyche and subconscious and used in battle. The main personas for the cast used up to Persona 3 were inspired by Greco-Roman mythology. Persona 4s were based upon Japanese deities, while Persona 5s used characters inspired by fictional and historical outlaws and thieves. The summoning ritual for Personas and battles varies throughout the series. In early games, the party gains the ability to summon through a short ritual after playing in a parlor game. In Persona 3, a, they fire the gun-like device called the Evoker at their head. In Persona 4, they summon their Personas using tarot cards. And in 5, they are summoned through the characters' masks. Personas are used for all types of physical and magical attacks, along with actions such as healing and curing or inflicting status effects. For all Persona games, all playable characters start with their initial Persona, which can evolve into other Personas through story-based events, and in use during battle. In multiple Persona games, two or more Personas can be summoned at once to perform powerful fusion spell. In 3, 4, and 5, only the main character can wield and change between multiple Personas. Uh, the other characters will use that single Persona, although they do evolve through the course of the game. Uh, during the course of the game as well, the player acquires more Personas through a system of skill cards, represented by the Major Arcana tarot cards. Each skill card represents a personal, different persona family, which in turn hold their abilities inherent to the family. Multiple personas can be fused together to create a new one with improved and inherited abilities. These range from fusing two personas in the Persona 2 duology up to 12 in Persona 4. Starting with Persona 3, the main, the main protagonist of each game has a ability known as Wild Card, which is the ability to summon multiple personas represented by the full arcana. Uh, social links have uh, been a big part of it since Part 3, and it's a form of character interaction tied to the growth of each player's persona. During their time outside battle, the main character can interact and grow his particular social link which acts as an independent character growth system tied to the Persona family or Archaeum. As the main character's relationship with the character representing the social link grows, it is raised, and more powerful Personas related to that social link assigned Archaeum can be summoned and fused. Attributes related to the main character's social life can also improve the Persona's abilities, such as academic abilities and social aptitude. The enhanced version of the social link system, known as Confidence, appeared first in Persona 5. In uh, Persona 1, the 2 duology, and 3, there's also a negotiation mechanic carried over from previous Megami Tensei titles in which characters can talk with enemies and provoke certain actions depending on their dialogue choices. Some responses yield skill cards for use in creating new personas, Negotiation was removed from Persona 3 and 4. Although Atlas Staff considered the social link systems an aspect of Persona Fusion to be a disguised version of it. In Part 5, they initiated the Hold-Up Session. Player Shadows can be persuaded to join the party as a new Persona if the negotiation is successful. The player does not already have them or is at the appropriate experience level. Let's talk about some of the settings and themes 
Um, the Persona series takes place in modern-day Japan and always focuses on groups of high school students, with the exception being Eternal Punishment, which was on a group of adults. The setting has always been described as urban fantasy, with extraordinary events happening in otherwise normal location. The typical is usually a city, with the uh, exception being Part 4, the rural town. Although they typically stand alone and only share thematic elements, the Persona games share a continuality, with elements from previous games turning up in later ones. Persona and Persona 2 share narrative elements that were concluded with Eternal Punishment, so Persona 3 started out with a fresh setting and characters. The first was set in 1996. In contrast, uh, Persona 5 goes up to the year referred to as 20XX. The central concept for the series is the collective unconscious, a place generated by the hearts of humanity in which Personas were born. According to the official Persona Club P3 book, a collective unconscious was generated in the primitive life on Earth as means of containing the spiritual action, essence of Nyx, a space-born being whose presence could cause the death of all life on Earth. Her body was damaged by the impact and became the moon, while her psyche was left on the surface and locked away at the heart of the collective unconscious. The fragments of Nietzsche's psyche, known as shadows, are both a threat and crucial part of humanity's existence. To further help defend against hostile shadows, people generated the deities that exist within the conscious, within the collective unconscious, many of which manifest as personas. Nyx appears in Persona 3 as the antagonist. A major dungeon location in each game are generated by latent wishes and desires of humans and are generally used by another force for their own ends. A recurring location appearing in most of the games is the Velvet Room, a place for reality and unconsciousness created by Philemon that changes form depending on the psyche of its current guests. The inhabitants, led by an enigmatic old man called Igor, or Igor, I forget how it says, aid the main character by helping them hone their persona abilities. While normally inaccessible and invisible to all those ex except those who afford to contract with the room, others can be summoned alongside the guest intentionally or otherwise. The main character in each Persona game is a silent protagonist representing the player, with a manner described by the series director as silent and cool. When the writer for new story content in Eternal Punishment's PSP version wished for the main character to have a spoken dialogue, this was vetoed as it went against series tradition. Two reoccurring characters generated by the collective unconsciousness are Philemon and... Oh boy. Narelothotep. <laughs> the representative, respective representatives of the positive and negative traits in humanity. In Innocent Sin, the two reveal them to reveal that they are engaged in a proxy contest as to whether humanity can embrace its contradictory feelings and find a higher purpose before destroying itself. Philemon makes appearances in later Persona games as the Blue Butterfly. Many of the series antagonists in this, many of the major antagonists in the series are personifications of death generated by the human subconscious. The central theme the Persona series is the exploration of the human psyche and the main characters discovering their true selves.
The stories generally focus on the cast's main cast, interpersonal relationships, and psychologies. There is also the underlying focus on the human soul. By September 2019, the series has sold over 11.1 million copies worldwide. The first persona was referred to at the time as a sleeper hit, and the success of it in Eternal Punishment helped establish both Atlas and Megami Tensei in North America and Europe. The series did not... No, I'm sorry. In Europe, the series did not become established prior to the release of Persona 3 and 4, both of which were highly successful in the region. According to Atlas CEO... Natui Hirotoka, the main turning point for the franchise was the release of Persona 3, which was a commercial success and brought the success to the attention of the mainstream gaming community. Persona 4 received an even better reception. The Persona series' success has allowed Atlas to build a strong player base outside of Japan, contributing to the success of other games such as Catherine. The Persona series has been referred to as the most popular spinoff from the Megami Tensei franchise, gaining notoriety and success in its own right. James Whitbrick contributed that while here in the West, we've got plenty of awesome urban fantasy, especially from a YA perspective. But what makes Persona interesting is that its familiar concept of urban fantasy, the balance of mundane, normal life, the protagonist's the problems that they have there with the fantastical nature of the supernatural world that lies beneath it all, from a Japanese perspective. Over here, it's much less common, and the way that the series proceeds urban fantasy through that lens is what makes it so different, especially from what you would normally expect from JRPGs. So you would think, um, when we look at the list of best-selling JRPG franchises, um, you would probably think Persona would be in the top 10, right? That's actually not true. At 11.1 million, that puts it as the 13th best JRPG franchise. Now, some of these are going to be more uh, Japanese-centric, so let's just start here at number one, and it really should be no surprise if you really think about it, it's Pokemon. Now, you may not realize just how well this game has sold. Um, starting in 1996, and then all the way up to Sword and Shield, they have sold 346 million Pokemon games. That's an insane number, and double number two on the list. <laughs> Um, number two is Final Fantasy at 149 million copies, which is nearly double number three, a Dragon Quest at an even 80 million. Fourth on the list is Monster Hunter. That series has sold 61 million copies. We actually learned about that in the last podcast. Kingdom Hearts at number five is a half of that at 30 million over the various tiles. And some of that plays into it, uh, whereas Persona only has you know the six main titles and the offshoots are a little bit smaller. You know, Kingdom Hearts has so many different ones, as well as you know Pokemon as well. I guess Dragon Quest has that as well with some of the Game Boy games. Um, let's see, this would be number uh, six is the Souls series at 26.7 million. 
the Tales of franchise at twenty million. Dragon Ball, they're throwing that in there at seventeen two. The Mario RPG series at fourteen or at sixteen five. Super Robot Wars, something that's really not caught on here in the West at sixteen million. The Yokai Watch series at fourteen million. Yakuza at twelve, and then Persona. But you know, Persona is ahead of some other bigger franchises like Fire Emblem, the Mana series, Zeno, Chrono. The Yeez series is not as popular as you might think. It's under five million total. Um, Legend of Heroes, a relative new um, player, at least getting big, is relatively new. They're at four point three. Uh, Star Ocean under four million. Breath of Fire, we haven't heard from them in. Uh, since 2015, uh, Fancy Star only just above three million. So yeah, I thought that was kind of surprising, just how um, how well sales are of these big, big franchises. Uh, so I've got one last thing I want to share with you guys, and that'll kind of close out this podcast. And that is a list of. 10 amazing facts about the Persona series you may not know. Now, I've not dived into this extensively, so um, I won't. There may be some we already know about, and I may skip over. So, here at number 10, um, of course, we already knew that's full title was Shimigami Tensei Persona. And then it began quite a few years ago on the, on the Famicom system. Um, yeah, we already we already knew all that. We already talked about it. So number nine, it's got a strong connection with a certain Swiss psychiatrist. The core theme for Persona series is this idea of analytical psychology, which focuses on the importance of individual psyche and includes concepts such as the id, superego, um, anima, animus, and the self. Often referred to as Jungian, I guess that's what it's called, J-U-N-G-I-O-N, I-A-N, psychology due to the fact that Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung originated much of these ideas. Notions taken from his brand of psychology can be found in every persona title. The connection is even more obvious when you look for references inserted by the developers. For example, the license plate of a car in Persona 4 is CH8700, a reference to Jung's hometown of Kanash. <laughs> uh, CH is the country code for Switzerland, and 8700 is the postal code for that town. Why is CH the country code for Switzerland? How'd they get that? Anyway, <laughs> um, the character in Persona 3 of uh, Kamaru is based on a real dog. Uh, Persona's lovable pooch, Kamaru, is actually based on a real dog named. Hakiko, an Akata breed who died in 1935 after becoming something of a celebrity in Japan. Hachiko's owner, Professor Unio, would commute to work with the loyal Hachiko and meet him at the uh, Shibuya station at the end of each day. When Inu suffered an, an hemorrhage during a lecture and didn't return, Hakiko visited the station at the same time for the for the best part of the next decade, still expecting his beloved master to return. 
Hachiko died on March 8, 1935, and has been immortalized in a bronze statue at the station. Under certain conditions in Persona Q, one of the characters will exclaim that Kakuma looks like he belongs outside a train station. A clear reference to Hachiko's statue. Of course, we didn't really get into all these spinoffs of um, of the Persona series. It's, and I'll be honest, it's not something that I I've never got into. Of course, you've got um, they're they're dancing games uh, mostly. Persona Three, the night before. Um, Persona, oh gosh, what was it? Persona Three, dancing in the moonlight. Persona Five, dancing in the starlight. Um, you've got the fighting games. Persona Four Ultra Mix. Um, I think there was another one after that even. Uh, you, you've got the 3DS uh, Persona Q games, Shadow of the Labyrinth, and Persona Q 2 New Cinema Labyrinth as well. Uh, the rhythm games of... Yeah, that's the dancing rhythm games. Persona 4 dancing all night along with the other two. Of course, you've got Persona 5 Scramble coming up here before too long. It's already in the west and coming to the east sometime soon. But yeah, there's been quite a few um, spinoffs for this well-received series. Uh, next thing you may not have known, there have been several Persona stage plays in Japan. The Japanese love live-action stage productions based on popular video games, and Persona is no exception. Persona 3 had no fewer than three limited-run productions, I won't try to say their names, while Persona 4 was adapted into two plays in 2012, called Visualize and Visualize the Evolution. Persona 4 Arena and Persona 4 Arena Ultramax have also been blessed with (laughs) productions in 2014 and 16, respectively, making them surely the first fighting game spinoffs of a spinoff to ever be adapted for theater. Uh, Persona has even had its own TV show. Anime TV shows based on video games are another popular form of media in Japan, and in 2008, Persona was given the animation treatment via Persona Trinity Soul. Set 10 years after the events of Persona 3, it revolves around a series of gruesome murders where the victims have essentially been turned inside out. A North America localization of the series was released in 2010, but it's now out of print and hard to find. I knew there was... They had made all the animations, obviously. I did not know there was an actual TV show. Uh, the Western version of the first Persona features heavy alterations. Recent Persona titles were famed for their excellent Western localizations, with very little being changed from the Japanese versions, and every effort being made to ensure the translation was as faithful as possible. However, it wasn't always this way. The first Persona game on the PlayStation features some significant changes when it arrived in North America, including the currency switching from yen to dollars, and the main town being renamed Lun- Lunarvale. One of the main characters, Masio Anaba, even changed ethnicity and was renamed Mark. These alterations were reportedly intended to make the game more appealing to American players. Uh, the A major plot point is inspired by Japanese urban legend. In the first two Persona titles, characters take place in a special ritual to summon their Persona Ultra Eagles, 
alter egos, not eagles, by standing in front of one of the four corners of a room and circling around until they reach the original starting position. This is based on a Japanese earthen myth called Square, which relates to a group of five mountain climbers stuck in a storm. When one of the team dies and is buried, the four survivors eventually reach an old house. Without a fire to keep them warm or light the room for the four individuals to stand in each corner and take turns walking counterclockwise and tapping the next person on the shoulder. When it is discovered that each corner of the room is occupied, when the person moves to tap their neighbor, the four believe that the ghost of the dead companion is present in the room with them. Spooky. I don't quite get that one, but okay. And there are some Nintendo references are commonplace along these. Few Japanese developers can say they've not never been influenced by Nintendo. As a result, there are many references to the games in JRPGs, with Persona being no exception. In Persona 4, one of the characters utters line, It's dangerous to go alone, while the other says, Our princess is in another castle. Of course, from The Legend of Zelda and Super Mario Brothers. Uh, Persona 4 pokes fun at the Twilight series. Um... Persona 4 references games such as Zelda and Super Mario, but it doesn't stop there. It also tips the hat to other media, and not always in the most positive manner. In Persona 4, there's a book called Witch Detective, which is described as a plodly written romance comedy, which involves a girl who, on her first day of school, becomes involved with vampires. The book is said to be almost physically painful for you to read, and a clear dig at the popular Twilight series. Of course, the spinoffs include online games and a one-on-one fighter. We already know all about those games. So that's some interesting stuff I didn't know about the series, and uh, you may not have known either. So that's it. I've been rambling on for (laughs) about 45 minutes, so I will stop there. I'm sure there's a lot more I could have gotten into with this series, but I kind of wanted to make it as general and brief as possible. Um, Didn't get into some of the art and uh, music and stuff like that, but I just kind of want to give more of a history of where this is coming from. We know where it's going with Royal and with Scramble, and what the future holds is a bit unknown. Of course, Atlas has been working on that... um, fantasy jrpg i believe that will probably be their next big focus on playstation 5 as to when we may get uh, persona 6 or i mean at this rate it's entirely possible they could do another persona 5 game whereas scramble is unofficially persona 5 part 2 maybe they decide to make it a trilogy It's hard to know where the future is going to go with this franchise, but I can say with a thousand percent certainty, Persona is here to stay. It has uh, went from a small niche title on the PlayStation that um, at one point in time, I completely remember working at GameStop and we had the PS1 uh, section, which is basically just a bin, and you could see each of the titles. And occasionally, we'd you know, you go grab one. And I remember seeing Persona 2 in there, and it was probably going for like 10 bucks. And you look it up on eBay now, and I don't know what's going for. At one point, it was over a hundred dollars. 
probably even more by this point. And those are there's many examples of that over the years. But yeah, you, you've got games that basically you couldn't give away at some point, and now going for hundreds of dollars. It's it's really remarkable how far the series has come, how good it has gotten, and uh, how it continues to innovate, but still. Um, deliver an exceptional gameplay each time through that's going to do it for sunday special episode 10 hope you have enjoyed it we'll try to do another fun one next week for you guys don't forget to tune in every well, i try to do it every wednesday for the normal um, podcast and then every sunday for your sunday special thanks so much for listening my name is james fisher signing off for the jrpg report don't forget get back out there and level up <laughs>